I, I have to admit something before I get up here. And someday I'll do this when I'm never coming back again. And I know you did it, Ken, when you were here. I just, I just want to come up here and just jump up from here, from the bottom level. Oh, that's just me. <laughs> but I'm fe I fear if I tried it, I'd hit right about there and then fall forward and knock a couple of teeth out. So I was like, yeah, well, I won't do that. <laughs> it's good to be back here again. Uh, I, uh, I'm honored to be here. I think of uh, the great people that have spoken here and uh, I think about my title today and I'm like, <laughs> I'm here, that's kind of funny. But anyway, uh, I'm grateful to come and, and share with you guys today and uh, be a part of this congregation. It's uh, fun. Uh, I get to be a part of different places. I, I can't remember where I was at for sure, if it was last week or the week before, but I spoke in a church of six, and one of those was a visitor. And uh, so, and the deacon sat in the very back. I was like, <laughs> I'll come back and visit with you after the service, I guess, and maybe y'all can. So uh, I get to do a lot of different things, and I'm grateful. But I am glad to be here today. Uh, I just... I, I am amazed at who God uses, and uh, I'm grateful that he looks down sometimes and, and sees those that really resume and value is not what we would look for, but he still says, I can use you. In fact, I think he takes great pride in using people that uh, the rest of you would go, what are you doing up there? And many of you know me, and so... Uh, some of you are going, why is he saying that? Those of you that know me are going, yeah, you're exactly right. What is, I'm talking to an elder after. Couldn't we get someone to speak? What is the deal? Budget was low. And so <laughs> this is what you could afford this month. So next time the plate comes around, you got to give more if you want to have better. That's just how it's going to be. So anyway, I'm glad to be here. Jesus could see that. And Jesus loved to take someone that nobody else wanted around and show his love and show God's glory. Many of you are here that, that today because of that kind of love, that Christ reached down and showed you that and changed who you were. So anyway, I want to uh, get that. Before we get into Matthew 9, let me just set some things up. Jesus had just had another encounter with the Pharisees, uh, th those guys, and uh, teachers of the law, and he had said something that really kind of threw them off. Uh, he was healing this guy, and they had that conversation, you'll remember. They were fighting about it, and he says, what's easier for me to do, tell this guy to pick up your mat and walk or to forgive his sin? Well, that was blasphemous. You're not God. How can you forgive their sin? And so what he did was do both of them just to kind of stir them up, and I love that. And... Uh, always trying to break them from their, their thinking. And, their, and so there, that conflict was going on. So it's in the midst of that, Jesus is walking down the road and he's choosing people to lead his church. 
people that will set the church on its course, people that will do things that will allow you and I to be here today to still worship and understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's going to pick those people. And uh, that's where we want to pick up with today in chapter 9, verse 9 of Matthew. And so we'll look at that together. And Jesus uh, passed on from there, and he saw a man called Matthew sitting in the tax office, and he said to him, follow me, and he rose and followed him. Now, here's, let's just get the picture, and many of you know that. You've been taught by smarter people than me, but I'll just remind you about Matthew because he's key to us understanding some things about ourselves and the love of God in our life. He was the tax collector. And, and there were three levels of tax collecting, and Matthew was the lowest level. He was the guy, sometimes they talk about the booths. He was the guy in the booth on the street corner. He was the guy that if you drove by and you had your goat, your goat had just had triplets, he'd go, oh, good, man, you're doing good. Here, you owe me some more money. He could just make up things on his own. He had some quotas he had to meet, but he could also line his pockets. Uh, you went out fishing and uh, you caught a good catch, he could tax you for that. Just anything that he wanted as you passed by, he could tax you for. Well, as a Wyoming person, we love the government intrusion in our life, right? And so you would welcome that. Wouldn't it be great like if we left here today and uh, there was a guy sitting out there and go, oh, you're looking good today. That'll be a little extra. Well, we would embrace that with great love as Wyoming people. So not only was he doing that, but he was one of them. He, he was a Jewish guy that had turned in to serving the Roman people. He was just a, a, a traitor in, in the sense of that. He was someone that really was detested by all of his people. And you get that. I mean, I, I know you're laughing because you get it. I mean, I, can you imagine someone coming in here today and having a little booth outside and saying, uh, this is going to be a little extra for you people. And he was your, it would be Ken Doolin, you know, and our former pastor, and he would set his little booth up there. Man, we'd be going, what are you doing, Ken? You used to be one of us. Now you're collecting more money for that other church? What are you doing? Right? And so we'd be incensed. And that's who this guy was. Now get this picture. That's who the guy is that Jesus goes up to and says, follow me. I want you to come lead my church. I want you to write one of the books in the New Testament. Follow me. I, so... Right off, I say, this is a poor choice. Uh, this is like if the committee does this, if your search committee does this, and go, yeah, and y'all go, man, what are you thinking? Now, this isn't a search committee message. Forget that. I'm just kidding around. Just messing with Eric. He, he, he will do fine. Because <laughs> there's other people on the committee, so it'll work just good. <laughs> And so from our perspective, this has to look like, and if we're honest with ourselves, it looks like a poor choice. But from Matthew's perspective, let's now look from Matthew's perspective. Uh, Marcus and I talked, why would Matthew do this? One of the things that's going on is the culture there, and they were under Roman rule. 
And most of the disciples that followed Christ and most of the people at first had what view of what Jesus was going to do? They felt like Jesus was coming to free them from that. And so Matthew, I don't know Matthew's thought process. I don't know if Matthew was going, oh, good, I can lead the church. He may have just been thinking, good, I'm sick of this job. I'm sick of everybody hating me. And maybe Jesus is the one because they've heard of Jesus. They've seen his miracles. They know little rumors are going around. And maybe Matthew is like, hey, I'm on board. I'm, I'm going with this guy and see what we can do. Don't know. All I know is Matthew went with him. Matthew, who was hated and shamed and unloved by all of his friends, decides to go with Jesus, picks everything up and goes. And what's his response? In 10. And it happened that he was, as he was reclining at the table at the, at, in the house, behold, many of the tax gatherers and sinners came and joined Jesus and his disciples at the table. What Matthew does is cool to me. It's a great testimony for you and I. Matthew gets accepted. Listen, there hadn't been a Jewish guy talk nice to Matthew in a long time. No one just went to the booth to hug him and say, hey, how are you doing? Uh, you need any extra? Can I help you? No, he was, they, did, they shunned him. They didn't like him. And Jesus has said, you come follow me. Matthew's perspective on his life and who he is and his self-esteem and all of those things totally changes. Matthew says, Jesus, this one that they're talking about, the one that some are even saying is the Messiah, the one that's healing the sick and giving sight to the blind, he wants me. Man, sometimes I think we've been in church too long and we forget that at one point, we were that type of enemy of God. We were just walking around and hadn't even noticed that uh, we were desperately lost and desperately enemies with God. And he's changed us. We're the people that he said, I know nobody thinks much of you in the kingdom. I know the angels aren't looking down and going, boy, we sure need him in our war service. And Jesus said, come, follow me. And he did that for you and I. And so Matthew's thrilled. And Matthew does what someone that's excited about this does. He says, come on to my house. Can you imagine? Here Jesus is, and Matthew's going, Jesus is coming to my house. And he's thrilled. And so he invites all of his friends over. He says, come. Come to my house and meet the one that everybody's talking about. Now, it's the people that, mostly the people that are talking about it, the Romans, they're kind of worried. The Jews, kind of wondering what's up. And so here these people are. So he's invited all of his friends. Now, Matthew's friends aren't the best in the world. Uh, Matthew doesn't have the good church people as friends because they don't like him. He's traded there. He's been a traitor. He's with the Romans. He's taxing them all the time. He's just... Just someone you just don't want to have an association with. So his natural friends are going to be other tax collectors because they kind of hang out together. They can only do that. I mean, it's the only person. Some of you are like that. There's only a few people that can be your friends. You just don't have many. I get it. <laughs> now I've offended you. Thank you. 
you're kind of like Dick. You don't know the good songs, and so you just don't have friends. <laughs> I can't wait to tell him next time. See, I really think I'm thinking about talking to the elders and having him kicked off. If you don't know that song, how can you? I love my brother, and I have to tell you, I'm proud of him. I'm proud of the years I've known him and seeing his growth in the Lord. That's cool. I'm proud of him. Uh, so anyway, Matthew chapter 9, verse, no, wait, I'm past that. Where was I? His friends came in, and these are the, just not the best people in town. And in fact, some scriptures talk about it's the, some prostitutes, and just not the best. Not the best. And so Jesus is there having lunch with them and having this meal with them. And so that's the scene that we get because Matthew only knew to invite the people that would come because Jesus has accepted me. Matthew had to count some extreme costs to do this. Matthew's leaving. When Matthew picks up and leaves... Not only is he losing his source of income, he's, he's now going against the government that's employing him. And so the next day, if he's not in his booth, the guy above him's going, where's this guy? And the guy above him's fussing at this guy. So you know he's in bad shape. This is not a good, this isn't a good uh, career move for him. But he counts the cost and he walks with God. It's a good reminder we need to each look at our calling. Will we count the cost in our life? What does God have for us? I'll just pick on some people real quick. Here's VBS. Now, listen. At the end of VBS, you'll be like a counselor was up at Camp Bethel. At the end of the week, you just want to die. I just need somewhere quiet, lay down, and be. They need help. There will be a lot of wild little knuckleheads running around lots of energy and I know you worked all day I know there's a lot going on in your life but man just a little commitment uh, Matthew gave up everything one evening one evening to say I'm going I'm just going to go up there and, and follow because there will be one little guy that will show up here that will just run the whole time and you may be the guy that's big enough to set on him for just a while to get him to slow down long enough to eat one color. You know, if he'll just eat one, we'll be happy. You know, instead of just... Matthew counted the cost. And exactly what happens after that is he's telling his friends, come meet Jesus at my house. That's good lessons for us. I mean, that's just as simple as it gets. I count the cost and I tell other people. Sometimes it gets too confusing for me. I, I, uh, the more I go around to different churches and see and hear of things going on, I go, wow, that's too complicated for me. I just want to count the cost, love my Lord, and tell other people. Uh, and the rest, smarter people can figure out. Uh, but that seemed to be good enough for the disciples. Seemed to be good enough to sit at his feet, learn of God, and find someone else that doesn't know because I was once an enemy of everyone, and Jesus said, come follow me. You're part of the group. You're loved. You're in the kingdom. Man, 
That's, that seems to be good enough to me. And the more people I run across in the world outside of church, the more I see people that are just seeking someone that will bring them into their circle. And if that group's going to sit at the Silver Spur Bar, I don't know if y'all have a Silver Spur Bar. What, what, y'all don't have a, what's, what bar? Y'all, do y'all have, maybe there's no bars. I mean, y'all are doing so good. Thank you, Sherry. Name one. Now, how'd you know that? No, I'm just kidding. Because <laughs> you went there to arrest someone. I know it wasn't because you're. Listen, they will go there, and it's interesting to me, there will be a sense of unity there with those people based upon the fact that we'll go drink together. Now, if you get them away from that and you start talking about other things, they probably really hate each other. People are looking for someone to connect with. And when Matthew was connected with Christ and Christ brought him in, first thing he does is go tell his friends. I think that's a beautiful picture. Here's another lesson that I want to get to before we run out of time. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why is your teacher eating with the tax collectors and sinners? Interesting to me that uh, the Pharisees are sneaking around watching Jesus, isn't it? They're trying to figure this thing out too. And I give them a little respect because, listen, the, they're trying to be protectors of the church. So in some respect, I'll, I'll give them a little their due. But they get so consumed with who they are and their self-righteousness, as we'll see as we examine this, that they can't see the truth of Christ. And so they're watching Jesus and they're going around and, and people do that. Uh, just know that if you claim to be a Christian, others are watching. They like to see us mess up. If you're, if you're at work and you've claimed Christ and, and you're in a position and you're doing something and you slip and go, cut your finger and go, your friends are going, oh, I thought you were at church Sunday. And so it's a great opportunity to go, I was and you know what? That was wrong, and I'm asking you to forgive me. Man, just tell them. Because the fact is, we will fail. But the good fact is, Christ paid for all my failures. And he's ready at a moment to receive me and receive me as I ask for forgiveness. And man, I, I like to do that right in front of people. Did I, I don't know. I may have told you this story. We were playing. We had a playoff game one year. It was our first playoff game. We had worked all week. On this one play, this team from Sundance was real good at doing. And all week I'd worked with this, these guys on this. And so we get up there, and it's about the second time they get the ball. And they run this play. And, I, and we saw it coming. I'm like, here it comes. They run it. Guy goes out. Touchdown. I kicked the sideline marker as hard as I could, and it goes up into the stands. Well, that's a good testimony for the pastor of the town. <laughs> and people are like, ooh. <laughs> the good part is the players got that, and that play never worked again, so that got their attention. So what do I have to do? Well, at halftime, I'm telling the guys I, that was wrong. That's not who I want to represent things to you, so I have to eat a little crow. And then Sunday morning in the pulpit, I have to get up. You might have been there, Eric. I don't know if you were still there. Have to apologize for that. But that's not a problem because I, I serve a Savior that loves me so. 
and understands my shortcomings and is willing to forgive me. And so why did I not tell people that? It's okay. It's okay to tell them that. Anyway, they're watching Jesus, and they're just kind of critiquing him. And uh, interesting thing, Jesus had the ability and the desire to be with those people that needed a doctor, yet not be like them. That's a tough thing. Some of us can't mix in some areas. We've got to stay away. Some areas we can get right in there. Jesus was able to do that. So they go to the disciples, and this is typical good gossip technique 101. So if I want to talk about you, Kevin, I'll get your wife, and I'll bring her over here and say, have you seen what Kevin's doing? No, I haven't. I think he's in trouble now. Good. Right? Now, that's a good way to gossip. In case y'all haven't been versed on some of these things, I know you get some good teaching, but maybe you haven't been taught how to gossip about people. That's, that's the good way to do it. So that's what the, the, the Pharisees are doing. They don't want to go to Jesus. They're not interested in helping him. They're not interested in learning about what he's really doing. It's just a good sign that I don't really care about that person. Because if I really cared about that person, I would love them enough to go up to them and talk to them, not someone else. Just know that you're probably off base been to the beaver, <laughs> a little tipsy. Uh, just know you're off base if, if that's what you do. The Pharisees are our example of that. They gather the disciples and, and, and want to say, look what he's doing. Look who he's hanging around with. See what kind of person it is. See, from their point of view, these people were the outcast and to be hated in the community. And let's have nothing to do with them. In fact, they used the term sinners. They said these were sinners. That's not like what you and I think about. That's not the Romans 3.23. This is a, a specific term that they would use for people that didn't obey the Mosaic law and the teaching of the local rabbis, which you could be a sinner for a lot of things. I mean, they had so many rules that you could miss one and then they could put you in this category. So... It's based upon their view of what reality and truth is. It's based upon their view, not of Scripture, but of their traditions and their way of doing things. That's how they define sin. And the reason I want to point that out real quick to you is because I've got to be careful in doing that in my life. I can define sin based on what's comfortable at First Baptist Church. I can define sin based upon what my denomination or my religion or my thoughts say. And Jesus said, uh, the, the scripture has in Romans 3.23 what? What is the, the basis for that? What's the, the quote there? You know that one. For all have sinned. And so by, by pointing that out, they set this standard up and say, these people are sinners. Not these people in this section. I didn't mean well, yeah, you are. Okay. These people are sinners based upon what this group has determined sin is. Now, the good thing about that is that means you're not. It's easy to point at them and go, sinner, sinner, you're doing what's wrong. It's basically saying, because I know what's right and I am. And that's a danger for us. And we, we must, we've got to watch that in, in our own Gathering as believers, it's just a natural tendency for us to forget those kind of things and look at those out there 
that have the problem. It's easy for us to define those people as sinners rather than look at what Christ has done for us. It's just a good reminder. We can justify ourselves, but the only justification is Christ came. I'm amazed at the truth that he left heaven. Can you imagine? And he didn't just leave heaven and he said, I'll take on the form of a man so that I can be your redemption. Wow. I've got to keep that in perspective. I've got to keep grip and hold of that truth that Jesus loved us that much. So they identified Jesus with the lowlifes. Call him, this says, one of them. Not who he claims. Because, see, if Jesus was who he claimed to be, if Jesus was the Messiah, who would he be going to? Them. He'd be hanging around the Pharisees because we know what's right. We're the people that's got it together. So if you're truly the Messiah, you'd be sitting at our feet working with us. And instead of that, because they had defined sin based upon what they saw as good and bad, and because they had defined ministry based upon how they saw it happening, they missed the truth of who Jesus was. And I have to be cautious of that in my life. And I'm not here because I'm fearful or I've heard rumors that some of that's going on. That's not my point. But I know even within my own life, I can define things and get on tangents and, and, and look at things and forget the truth of the gospel and get so consumed with other stuff and that becomes, and it, and it usually, here's one thing that I find if I've been in churches all through our state. Whenever there's issues, the, the people that really stir stuff up usually never look at their need. They've, they're right, they know it, they're smarter than the rest of us, and so you peons get it right. That's usually the attitude. That's the same attitude the Pharisees have. And we must have the attitude of, I'm first of all grateful that Jesus found me a Matthew and loved me enough to say, come follow me. That's every one of us that are followers of Christ. And in, in, in our knowledge and in our, in our learning and in our gathering truth from the Scripture, it should bring us to more humility and more humbleness and more love to reach out to other people, not piousness, not, ooh, I'm smarter than you. That's what should happen. That's what happened with those that love Christ. So those are our priorities. Reach out with the gospel. God has saved you to share with others. Do that. Be looking to do that. Uh, there is nothing more enjoyable than someone that's desperate coming to find out, you know you're loved. Do you know how many people deal with uh, through our years and any of you that's done any work in the church, how many people just don't even think they're loved? I think, give me a person that uh, their parents were just losers. And I'll show you someone that's still desperate to find love. I, I see that all the time. I've seen it with people in my own family. Those that a parent neglected or, or abused them and they're wanting some love. And we have that. We have the father that loves like no other. 
He's a father that never fails. He's a father that never rests and says, I am with you 24-7. Now, sometimes I don't like that. I don't like that when he's with me 24-7, and especially I'm trying to run away from him and do my own thing. And you're running and you're going, come on. Don't, not today. Not today, Lord. And he's like, I'm right here. Well, take a nap. No, no, I'm right here with you. I never leave you. Never forget about you. I'm there all the time. That, that's the father that many people have never had. And you have the truth of that. He came and found you. You may have had a great home. You may have never felt that kind of withdrawal or that, that kind of neglect. But you were there at one time because you didn't know the father. And he said, come, follow me. And the Lord gives us that opportunity to do that. Keep our focus on Christ. It keeps us straight and clear in ministry. VBS is not about the production. VBS is about the fact that there'll be someone coming in because there's a parent that's going, I can have a little break for the summer. School's not here yet. Lord, when will we go a full year where they never have summer off? You know, there's parents that pray for that kind of thing. No teachers have ever prayed for that. Teachers are like, let's just teach them in the summer and have the rest of the time. <laughs> no argument from Kevin. Listen, so that young kid's going to come in and there's going to be someone. You may have just said, you know, I'll, I'll get home, I'm tired, but I'll go down there today. And that young kid is going to come in and see a man love him for the first time in his life. He's going to go, whoa, that's different. I'm accepted. This guy cares. That's our call. May we not forget that. May we keep ministry focus proper, and it only happens when we keep our eyes on Christ. We keep our eyes on Christ, it'll clear a lot of the things up in our lives. It'll clear a lot of the things up. I, I just, I, I wished I could take you to places that things aren't clear. <laughs> it's amazing to me. And, and they, they, they won't be clear, and they'll look out and go, you know, we don't have anybody coming. We hadn't had anybody saved for a long time because we're so focused on this over here that we forgot really what we're about. We're about Christ, the Redeemer who comes and says, come, follow me. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth of it. I thank you that uh, you love me. I thank you that you looked down one time and said, Kent, I'm going to use you. Wow, really? I am grateful that your power sustains, gives us life, gives us hope, and gives us meaning. You are wonderful. You love us, and I'm grateful in Christ's name. Amen.